0: Do we have characteristic of God that starts with H? Holy. Haven. 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 All right? Honest. Help. High, highest, exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy, Psalm 99, verse 9. My thoughts are in Romans, chapter 8, this morning. My thoughts are on our view of suffering and how that view is different than the world's view of suffering. I've entitled the message A Christian View of Suffering. Sometimes we suffer because of disease, of earthquakes, of floods, of famines, tsunamis. Our own mistakes. But we know what suffering is. Tragedies happen to us, tragedies happen around us. Is that the way life is meant to be? What do we make of tragedies? Maybe we even get confused sometimes about what is happening around us. I'm so thankful for the Brotherhood to help us to sort through. So thankful for the word of God to go back and find the promises that God has for us. 1981, there was a Jewish rabbi that wrote a book, and that book was entitled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. His premise was not a biblical premise, so he concludes with the wrong conclusion But the question that was raised was, is God good and is God all-powerful? And if he is, why is there all that we see? Sometimes we can ask those questions and never really get a satisfactory answer. I don't know if we can really give a good satisfactory answer why a certain thing happens to us. But there's some foundational things that the scripture does give to us. There was a man from Canada by the name of Charles Templeton. He's not of most of your era, but he was an evangelist in the 40s and the 50s. And he was a good friend of Billy Graham. They did an evangelistic thing together in the late 40s. And Charles Templeton gave up his faith because he saw all the suffering and couldn't explain why God was allowing this. Now remember the time frame that we're in. We're in right after World War II. So people are analyzing what happened with the Jewish people with all the Holocaust. They're analyzing why all the slaughter, why all the people that are not deserving of trouble but had trouble. So he started out, as an evangelist that was equal to Billy Graham, but he was thrown aloof by the idea of suffering. And so he concluded that a loving God would not allow the violence that we see. Being a friend of Billy Graham, he and Billy Graham talked about this, and it made Billy Graham ponder where he was at. And he spent quite some time sorting through the same questions that Charles Templeton had. And Billy Graham came back to the conclusion that he's going to take the Word of God for what it is. And his faith found an anchor point, and he was able to go on and be the man that God used. Templeton became a man who wrestled with life, the end of his life, someone interviewed him and asked him the question about Christianity and why he had given it up. And he made the comment that Jesus was a great man. In fact, I miss Jesus, he said. He, he had lost sight of meaning in life because he had failed to keep his eyes on who Jesus was. And with tears in his eyes in that interview, he He said, I miss Jesus, even though he couldn't see what God was doing through suffering. Well, I had you turn to Romans chapter 8. I'd like to start at verse 16 and read to 25. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together." For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not then do we with patience wait for it Likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered The world is full of violence and we want no part of it We we know that there's a sustaining power behind what's happening in our world. Colossians 1 is clear that not only did Jesus help in the creation, there was nothing created that he wasn't involved in, but it says he's the sustaining power. And so we talk about the mercies of God being new every day. That sustaining power is important for us to recognize. We talk about eternity and hell, and the reason that hell is so awful is because the presence of God is no longer with people. The mercies of God were no longer there. The existence of suffering is a question, though, whether God cares and whether he has power to do anything about it. I want to make a conclusion right here That God has already done what we need for life and godliness. And that God has given us everything that a loving God would give us. And without that, as a foundation, we're going to stumble in the confusion of suffering. There was a picture out some years ago, and I don't know the year A photographer took it and actually won a Nobel Prize with this picture of someone in Africa, a child actually, that was crawling to get food, famished. And behind that person was a vulture. He captured the picture of the child crawling and a vulture stalking behind that child as if the child was going to die and he was going to eat that. That won a Nobel Peace Prize in in uh, photography. With I'm not sure what year it was, but that picture haunted people like Charles Templeton. That haunted people. What is going on? Does this child deserve this kind of suffering? And what have they done? And where's God in all of that? Why can't God stop? That kind of thing. So I want as a premise or as a foundation to say that God has already given us everything that a loving God would give us. He's given us eternal life. He's provided for us everything for life and godliness. And yet we sometimes question why there is this suffering that's going on. Genesis tells us why there's suffering. What does Genesis say? Genesis Genesis says that God created the world and it was very good. It was perfect. When man sinned, he chose to go against God and he was driven out of the Garden of Eden. Why was he driven out of the Garden of Eden? Because God made a world that went along with man's sin. In other words, the perfect place of the Garden of Eden was no longer fit, or man was no longer fit for the Garden of Eden. And the world that he had made, he allowed it to start to go downhill. And scientists will tell you today that we're going to be at an end sometime. This world is going to run out of energy. The second law of thermodynamics says that it will not continue. There's disorder. There's disorder even though we know God's orderliness, is there's things that are tending to run down. And so this running down meets along with what man's sin has brought, and that is death. Death is natural, a natural penalty for choosing life without God. So in that sense, we are responsible for the suffering our sin is what is responsible for death and suffering and pain and disease and and brokenness even though we can't say that that child committed that sin that caused it we all have a sin nature from Adam it gave to us that sin nature that impacts what is going on in our world and evil is destructive and God could remove evil But he has given us free will. And if he wanted to remove evil, he's going to have to remove free will. Or he's going to have to take us out of the world. So, because we still have free will, a choice to choose or reject him, there's going to be suffering. What does suffering do for us? How do we view when someone is suffering? We, as believers, go and try to comfort those that are suffering. That is our responsibility. That's our privilege. But what do we tell them about suffering? Do we get angry with them about the suffering that they are experiencing? Do we have a right to get angry with God about suffering? What happens through suffering... Is God speaks to us and says, Here I am. I'm ready to help you. We never really learn to pray, to really pray, until we're in a place where there's nothing else to do except pray. When we can handle life on our own, why do we need to pray? God gets our attention. God uses suffering to get our attention like nothing else. Suffering is an invitation for us to get to know God in a new way. The scriptures here that we read speak about suffering and suffering for Christ, but it also speaks about suffering of creation. Our world knows what it's like it's not abnormal for there to be suffering even though we have days weeks months when it seems like life is a bed of roses around the corner there is suffering what do we do when there's suffering how do we view suffering what is the biblical view of suffering Someone has said, we have some choices when we're suffering. We can choose to recognize it as a sign to draw closer to God, to embrace the promises of God. We can choose to pursue relationships with believers for strength in that suffering And as I go through these, you can think of the opposite of what people can do as well. Isolate themselves. Become bitter. We can choose to place our hope in God. We can choose to accept that we can't see everything. We don't know everything. God's ways are higher than our ways. Thoughts higher than our thoughts. We can choose that. We don't like suffering. We try to run away from it. I think that's natural. I think it's okay to want to get out of suffering. Well, what can I learn through suffering? Is there something that God is trying to remind me of or to teach me? Is there something that God wants to bring into my life that helps me to mature through suffering. I think we all have had experiences where we said there were low points in our life and we wondered, what is the point of this? Maybe you can look back on some of those now and say, those were valuable times in my life. Doesn't it seem like life has to have a mixture of those things so that we keep perspective correct on who God is and who we are? These verses talk about the glory that's going to come. In verse 17, that we may be also glorified together with Christ. Is life about ease and making it through For ourselves and for everything to come out well, physically speaking, or is there a higher cause? He speaks about the glory that there is to be through a life that's resigned to God's will and circumstances. We know that God used people's suffering in the Scripture. I think of John 9 with the man who was born blind and how that God used that man to impact people and God can use the suffering that we have to impact us and impact people as well. We don't often count the blessings of hardships or of suffering, but it it doesn't hurt, it has value to say, this is what I learned through this experience, however small it is. Our goal should be to learn from suffering. It's easy to have the goal, I just want to escape from the suffering, but do we have a goal to learn? through the suffering Christ could have evaded the cross could have evaded suffering but he went to the cross because there was a perspective there was a perspective of victory of resurrection he did it because he saw beyond he saw beyond the present suffering and he went to the cross and defeated death. And he defeated Satan. Amy Carmichael, someone you may have heard of, has some books out of her work in India as a missionary. She has a poem, In Acceptance There is Peace. I, don't, I haven't memorized the poem. But the poem has something to do about resignation to where God has you to find God in that picture of suffering and to come to a place of calmness and peace. That draws us. That moves us in the right direction. Little boy was putting his little boat out in the water. And the waves got it and started taking it out, and he thought he'd lost his boat. And an older teenager came and said, I'll get the boat for you. And he started throwing rocks out beyond the boat. The little boy thought it was going to be hit and sunk. But the boy, the larger boy, the teenage boy, kept throwing the rocks out there. And after a while, the boat was at shore because the waves were brought, were bringing the boat in. Does suffering draw us where it's supposed to draw us? Does God teach us through those trials and through those sufferings that come? I believe God does. I believe he teaches us, he disciples us through suffering. Hebrews 12 says, for whom the Lord chasteneth, he receiveth. Whom he loveth, he chasteneth, he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So sometimes there are sufferings that come because of God's design. But just being in a fallen world says there's suffering. God has extended his help to face suffering. And the trials and the things that come in our life do not say God has left us. They do not say that we're in this alone. There's no indication that God has given up on his promises to us. Sometimes it feels that way. And if it feels like suffering is gonna do us in, we need another perspective, a biblical perspective. There's suffering that God is going to use. If we'd go on to two verses beyond the text that I read, let me read 27 and 28. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We don't want to glibly throw around verse 28. It would not be a verse that you necessarily would want to tell someone when you're going through the funeral line. They may know that verse, but it's not necessarily a comfort to them at that time. But for us, if we've had experiences where God has caused good to come out of suffering, we can give testimony to this verse that God has done something through the things that we have needed to endure. So the challenge is not to waste our suffering, to learn from it, to say, God, you want to use it to make me a person that's different than I used to be. If I might use Brother Eli and Sister Ruth Ellen as an example, you wouldn't have chosen to go through the last year and a half. Are you better people because of the experience? You don't need to answer that to me. Has God strengthened your faith? Have you seen things that you haven't seen before? Has a perspective changed? Okay. Are they better ready to meet their Lord? Are we better ready to meet our Lord? Are we better ready to serve our Lord through the things that God has brought into our path. We were at minister's study days and there was discussion there about what we've learned through the COVID thing. And we're now at the place where we can go back and look on that and say, how should have we responded to that situation? We look back on that kind of thing and we say, what did that do for us? Is there any good that comes out of that? Or how did we even relate to people who were, who were suffering through that? I think we need to learn all we can from those experiences. I don't know what all they are. I don't have a list of what things I've learned through that. But there's many people that look at that as a pretty dark period in the life of the church even, because of the tensions that were there. But what can we learn, and how can we help people to see that God did good through that? God is at work refining us, making us more and more into his image, like a refiner that is trying to purify his metal. Leaning over the hot fire, watching the metal, adjusting the heat, skimming off the scum, refining it. And someone walks up and says, how do you know when it's done? You know what he would say? He would say when I can see my reflection in the metal that I know it's pure. Does suffering bring us to a place where God's reflection shines out of us in a different way? Or have we lost eternal perspective about Suffering. God is in the world. He's using the failures of man. He's using the mistakes. He's someday going to do this world in. It'll be over. But until then, He's going to take man's mistakes. He's going to take man. He's going to bring them more and more into His image. just because we are Christians it doesn't remove the pain of suffering though we can't explain to somebody why was that starving child being stalked by that scavenging bird why was that child who did not deserve to be without food why was it without food why was there the Holocaust after World War II or during World War II? Why was there struggles with whatever you want to name? The suffering that seems unfair. Knowing God doesn't remove the pain of suffering. But by you and me knowing God, it gives a greater, it gives a purpose. There's a purpose in Suffering. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What would an atheist have as a purpose for suffering? Absolutely nothing. So though we can't perfectly explain, we do have that foundation laid that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And God has given us everything that we need to become a reflection of his glory. We live in a broken world, but we look forward to a time of redemption. We live in broken bodies, but we look forward to a time of resurrection. A mother who's looking forward to a new child would not think, Of not having birth pains. It's part of what we understand from Genesis chapter 3. And so, again, for us, the suffering that comes maybe is just the birth pains that are directing us to the better world that's to come. Because of Jesus, we have purpose in life. We have hope in life. And may we never become a Charles Templeton or a person that is confused by the suffering that we see. May we help each other to come back and see that God is going to use man's mistakes and he can bring glory out of it. May we never blame God. May we never get angry at God for suffering. Instead, maybe get angry at sin and realize that that's really the, the cause of what we see around us. So may God bless you as you think about what a Christian's view of suffering should be versus what a world's view is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness We know you've given us everything that we need to walk in relationship with you. Thank you for Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand interceding for us. Bless us as a congregation as we seek to live for you in a world that's broken. We look for the joy that you've set before us. But we want to be faithful until you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen.